0: great uh we were um y'all really are uh i just want to let you know uh it's it really is an honor and privilege to be able to pastor here and uh to speak to you guys and you know one thing i love about y'all is y'all give me do-overs did you know you get you do that have you ever noticed like sometimes i preach the same thing over and over again it's sort of like my second shot, you know. It's like you give me a... I think my little things. There we go. My little thing's messed up. Uh, it's good. Oh, good. My, uh, Steve Stephen's my usher this morning. I thought he was coming up to get me. I was like, he looked like he was, had some authority walking down the aisle. Uh, here's what I want to do today. We're looking... Again. There we go. Now it won't mess up again. Uh, Note to self, check the screw on the end of the mic cord. Do over. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Grace Fellowship. You guys online, we're so glad you're here and that the whole world is watching this. I can watch it. We really are. Um, You know why? Because baptism is such a big deal. And Dana mentioned in the beginning of the service that we've had almost 50 baptisms in the last three weeks, I think. And uh, if you're here, I'm not going to make you speak, but if you were one of the people who were baptized in the last three weeks, would you stand up for me? Please stand up. Go ahead. Uh, There we go. Let's give them a hand. They're like very courageous. Thank you. The most courageous is probably Sean, but... uh, oh. Yeah, Jimmy, you got baptized too two weeks ago, right? Yeah, he just he loved it. And so did Jace. So two more people walked in. Uh, so it's like a big deal. So remember, this verse I've had up here first to begin, because I believe the Lord wants to implant. You know, he was he was serious about writing the scripture. And when he said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, as he is. So are we in this world. You know he didn't make a mistake. If he said it, absolute truth. Now, some of us are sitting here thinking, well, I can prove him wrong because I'm not as he is. Listen, he said you are. So everywhere where I disagree with him, I'm wrong. I need to repent. I need to have a revelation from the heaven that reveals to me Jesus, how can you say that? Didn't you see me Tuesday? Or for some of us, it was like, didn't you see me this morning just an hour ago? No. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. So what was, I, I want to talk a little bit about baptism again. Um, and there was something I noticed after 40 something years of, of uh, reading the scripture and preaching and, and just being serious about the Lord with my life. Uh, I noticed something about this verse, Luke chapter 3, verse 3. And you know, Luke was a doctor. He took very meticulous notes and he reported everything to Theophilus that was done and said by Jesus very carefully throughout the book, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts that he wrote. And he wrote a lot of detail about this. And he was talking about John the Baptist, Zechariah's son, Jesus' cousin, who was born in their old age. And he says about John the Baptist that he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I had never realized it. Let me tell you how shocking this was to them, to Israel, to the Jewish nation at that time. I don't think we understand. He went out, and he was the greatest prophet of all the Old Testament prophets, the Scriptures say. And so here's this prophet. The Lord had been silent in Israel for 400 years. Like, I don't even think Harvey's that old. He had been silent for a long time. And now a prophet comes out. And all of Israel, it's a, the whole nation is buzzing about the prophet John the Baptist. He lived in the desert. He wore animal's goat skin and he ate locusts and honey. And he was just weird like most of the prophetic people are. Right? He was. And you know what's interesting when I thought about this? He said forgiveness of sins came from baptism and repentance. What about the Jewish Religion, the Jewish law. What about the covenants with Abraham? They had been living with the tabernacle for thousands of years. As a matter of fact, it had been 2,000 years since Abraham when Jesus came on the scene. And now, here's this prophet running out in the desert, out not in the temple, not in Jerusalem, not in the holy place. He's out in the desert, and he said, Guys, listen, I'm here to tell you that what was isn't right anymore. And we don't even think about how drastic like that is. It would be this drastic if somebody came into here this morning, because you guys are all followers of Christ, and they were wearing one of those little Islamic hats. And they worship Buddha. No, they worship Muhammad, right? They worship Muhammad. And they have all these laws and regulations. And they're to walk in here and they were to say, Do you, Did you know that you're all wrong? That Jesus isn't really the Son of God? And that the way to God is actually going to be through the prophet Muhammad? That Jesus was just another prophet? Wouldn't that be a little shocking to all of us? It's like we've, we've, we've given our life, generationally given our life to Jesus Christ. And nobody's going to come in here and tell me that I'm, I'm not a Christian, that I'm now Muslim. You see, okay, well, some of you don't really get it. Okay, how about this? How about if somebody came in, came in here and said, listen, democracy is not the government from God, it's actually socialism. We're all going to become communists. Some of us would throw a fit, wouldn't we? If you're honest, what if somebody came in here and just out of the blue came in and said, listen, capitalism isn't the way. We should give everybody to everything to everybody equally. We're not going to have capitalism anymore in the United States. Everything you have is anybody else's. You don't have to work for anything. You get everything. Nothing is yours. We're all sharing everything. Well, some of you would take up arms and fight. What if somebody walked in here today and said, listen, the Arkansas Razorbacks stink. We're becoming University of Texas fans. Now i got to rise. I knew I had to go somewhere. You guys were getting it. Listen, when John the Baptist stood up and said, it's not the way we've been doing it. It's not the way to God. Baptism and repentance is the way to God they killed him they killed jesus for that you see that's how big a deal it was and we think of this and where did baptism what's what's the thing it's repentance changing the way we think and agreeing with god is for the forgiveness of sins so you know when i look at this i think about it it's uh you know, here's another thing I just never realized before. Do you know that the only place in Scripture that actually talks about... Remember when Jesus came in telling the disciples and preaching that, Guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And I'm going to be in the grave. I'm going to die. And then I'm gonna, in three days, I'm going to raise from the dead. And you know, his disciples couldn't get it. Do y'all remember reading that in the Gospels? It's like he'd tell them over and over again, and Peter even argued with him. And, P- and he told Peter, Peter, get behind me, Satan, because this is going to happen. And do y'all know who prophesied that? I think it's real interesting when I, when I read it. Uh, the prophet Hosea, there's one scripture in the entire Old Testament that says that. Now, the entire journey of Israel is about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But there's only one scripture that says it, and it's Hosea. And I don't know. Hosea is a real obscure book in the Old Testament. It's a really strange book, right? Y'all remember Hosea? Uh, I looked it up, and it's sort of funny. He was the guy, right, who God told to go marry a promiscuous woman. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Because, Hosea, I want your marriage to, sh- to reveal to Israel what they look like. Because Israel was trying to live by the law. They were living with all the the sacrificial system and the offering system and the worship that God had presented to Moses. They were living by all that, but they were still adulterous and they weren't following the Lord. And so Hosea had to marry him. And look what Hosea said in Hosea chapter 6, verse 2. For two days he will revive us. After two days he will revive us. On the third day He will restore us that we may live in His presence. It's the only Scripture in the Old Testament directly referring to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now, God, Holy Spirit, knew what He was saying when He wrote this. You know what the interesting thing when I read that is? Well, Jesus uh, was the one who died on the cross, but you said us. Like, He said us. And then, not only will Jesus die, He'll come alive, and He'll restore us. And then He said that we may live in His presence. You see, because the absolute truth about the baptism that Jesus did, you realize when Jesus was baptized, something happened. He put a nail in the coffin to the old covenant of works and effort and stress and st- striving. He put a nail in that coffin. He said no more. You know, I love uh, what he said in verse 6 of Hosea chapter 6. He said, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. If they would have been reading carefully their own prophets' words, they would have found that over and over in Scripture that guess what? You cannot earn your way to God. You can't resist the enemy. It's only through Him. You know, today we sang song after song after song about Jesus and His blood and His power and His might. And I love what he said. uh, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. You see, the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world was just about to burst into the scene. It's like there had been a story written about God from the very beginning all the way through the Old Testament, all the way up until the day Jesus, the virgin, was, became with child. And that story was about man's effort to become like God. Man's effort to not do things to make God mad and to do things that make God happy. Man's effort to give offerings and sacrifices. And and they gave thousands, hundreds of thousands of animal sacrifices to appease God. And the whole time, God was doing that to prove something. He was proving that man can't do it. Without Him, without His presence, you can't win this battle. And they spent thousands of years trying. And then John stood up and said, guys, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. You're going to have to give up trying. You said, that's what Pastor Tim was talking about a second ago. We have to get to the place before his life will bring us up from the dead, we have to be dead. And that's, that's symbolic, right? When are you going to quit trying? When are you going to quit trying to be good enough? When are you going to quit trying to, to not make God angry? When are you going to quit trying to not do bad things? Well, what do you mean? We're not supposed to try not to do bad things? No. God said it comes from inside of us. No. I, I've, I can't explain it, but I've experienced it. I mean, most of us have experienced it. You know, I, I used to like... Um, I'll say it in a nice way. I used to act like I I can't think of a last way to say it. I used to would like it whenever I hurt Sean. I mean, not really, not you, Sean, another Sean, not you, a different guy. But I did. It was like that's what I got my kicks from, hurting people, taking from people, beating people, lording it over people. Listen, most of you don't know, every time I walk beside you, there's a race going on, and I, my goal in life is to beat you because it makes me happy to beat you. Now, you don't know if I'm racing you to get there first or get there behind you because I decide that in route because I like winning. But when I let him in, something in me changed, and I don't like beating people anymore. I don't like hurting people. I don't like lording it over people. Well, what happened, Alan? Uh, well, you didn't try real hard to like people? No, I still don't like people that much a lot of times, but I'm not trying. God gives me something for people. And it's I'm amazed by it. I sit there and I'm like, I sit in a chair and there's like two of me, one sitting here, one sitting there. And I'm like, I can't believe you like that person. I'm going to go, I know, but I think they're great. They're the best I've ever sat with. Yeah, but you, you don't like people like that. I know I don't, but I can't help it. I just love them. Like, what is going on with me? Am I bipolar or, I started to say bisexual, but that's not what I meant. No, I'm not. That was the me without Jesus. And as I come, when he comes in me, something in me changes. And so it's funny. Um, Jesus was the Lamb, and he came to set captives free. And listen, y'all know what happened in Luke chapter 7. I better let me turn the page. Oh, that was about Hosea the He married. You may want to read Hosea if you haven't read it lately. It's a very interesting passage. God Sp- began to speak through Hosea, right, the prophet. And the Lord, and they put it in big capital letters, the Lord said, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Wow, the Lord, yeah, yeah, He did that. So, John, uh, John the Baptist, he preached a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. A radical thought that made him against Judaism, the prophet in Israel, the only prophet. And then Hosea said that passage. Okay, this is where I'm trying to get. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, you can't make yourself change. I can't make myself do good. I can't make myself not do bad. What I can do is give up and give in to Him. You see, and John said this, Luke recorded it. He said, And don't say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I'm a Christian, I'm an American. I'm a capitalist. I'm a Republican. Or a Democrat. Don't say that. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, he's talking about something that's produced in us. not, Not something we create on our own. It's produced in us. And... The axe is already at the root of the tree. John was standing up before Israel and saying, Guys, I know we've been following these rules and this way of living and these systems and everything for almost 2,000 years. We've been following these things. Telling the world this is how to live with God. This is the way to live. The best law, the best morals, the best life the world had ever heard of is Judaism brought. And he said, That's not the way. That's not the way. That, the axe is at the root of that tree, and it's time. And guess what happened? When all the people were being baptized in Luke chapter 3.21, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. You see, something changed when Jesus allowed himself to die. Something changed in him. And I believe that's what God wants to do inside of every one of us. You see, baptism is absolutely essential. Repentance is essential. It's the first step. And it's repentance by faith. See, baptism was just a picture of me dying. What are you dying to? You're dying to judging yourself. You're dying to setting your own path. You're dying to trying to make yourself good enough. You're dying to try and keep from being bad. And you're, you're giving up your own self-effort to make God happy with you and to make you okay. You know what you're dying? You're living to. You're dying to that, and you're going to live to who God says you are. I'm going to show you who God says you are. You aren't who you said you are. I've had people tell me, maybe my little sister that happens to be sitting right over there, but somebody told me that I was the meanest person they ever knew. And I'm like, I didn't believe them. Well, I do now, but I'm not now. I was then. Why? What changed? I quit trying to be good, and I gave up. And I said, God, it's you. It's all you. And he began to do something inside of me that changed my world. And he'll change your world. See, what you've been trying to overcome, he wants you to quit trying and trust him. The battle you have in your mind with depression and anxiety and fear, he's wanting you to let go of that and trust Jesus. Well, what if Jesus doesn't show up? Well, you'll die, I guess. I don't know. But you'll go to heaven, you know? I'm sort of serious but it's a fun, it's a joke. That was a joke. I'm not real serious. No. Jesus will show up. He will. And it's up to you. And so John when that happened with Jesus, and you look what happened when Jesus was baptized. It says in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You see it's time. It's time for you by yourself to come to an end. That tree is ready to be chopped down. And it's time for the Spirit of God to begin leading you. To lead your thoughts, to lead your life, to lead your decisions, to lead everything you are. It's time to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Do you know Jesus could do this because of the Holy Spirit? I mean, Luke was, meant that on purpose. Well, but Jesus was Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin, right? But He was fully human. And when he gave his life to God at this point, when he gave his life to God, Luke makes a point to say, listen, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Holy Spirit. You know your only hope is the Holy Spirit? Our greatest hope is the Holy Spirit because he's in all of us. Like, you have every bit of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that Jesus had. So, what tree was John talking about, right? When he said, when Luke, well, was Luke talking about when he said, yeah, it's laying at the axe, is laying at the root of the tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that tree? Remember the tree in the garden? God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve went and ate of it and she gave them to her husband. He ate. And from that point on, they were in bondage to the enemy. You see, the tree of the knowledge of the good and the evil is our best attempt, my best effort at being good. All I need to do, that's what Adam and Eve were saying when they ate from that tree. If I just knew what good is, then I'd be good. And I'd try hard and I'd give it my best effort and I would surround myself with people to encourage me to be good. That's what put them in bondage. Is their effort to be good enough? And then the tree of the knowledge of evil. God, if I just knew what you don't like, if I just knew what you said is bad, I'll never do it. Well, how many of you guys have tried that? It doesn't work. You can try as hard as you can and without the Holy Spirit, you cannot stop it. You can't stop the voices. You can't stop your actions. You can't stop your feelings and emotions. You see, there's another, there's a spirit. And Jesus was the same way. He was. So the harvest, when we got baptized, a lot of us, when you're baptized, and you can do it this morning right here, right now. We don't have to have the baptistry out. You know what it it is? What uh, the prophetic team said, I left it in the water. Remember that? Left it in the water. You know what the it is, the big capital it? It is the things the fruit of what happened in our lives by trying hard, by living our own way, by doing what we thought was best, by trusting in our own wisdom and understanding, trusting in our own physical strength, trusting in our own resources, trusting in our own intelligence, trusting in other people's voices and opinions. There's a thousand things that we trust in besides Jesus. And at some point, we have to come to a place in our life where we say, you know what? I'm... I'm, I'm leaving this in the water. Because you know what happens. Whenever you're trusting something beside Jesus, there's a harvest going on in your life. It produces stuff. It produces anger. It produces anxiety. It produces fear. It produces a thousand things. It produces impatience. It produces those words that you wish you could take back, you can't. It, pro- it produces that fist you hit somebody with and you wish you hadn't, but you did. It produces that. You know what produces that? Trusting in your own strength. Judging yourself. Not listening to Him. Listening to the world. The world says, oh, if you just get enough money, you'll have an easy life. That's a lie. You'll have fruit from living that way. There's only one way to live that brings life, and his name's Jesus. He's the water of life. He's everything to us. And so the it, you know what you leave in the water? A lot of, a lot of us, when I live this way, when I live by the world's way, by, the, by my own thoughts, by my parents' thoughts, by my culture's thoughts, when I live that way, it's producing something in my life. And that's what we leave in the water, like, you don't want the addictions. You don't want the anger. You don't want the, the depression. You don't want the fear. You don't want that stuff. You don't want the broken relationships. Who wants that? You don't want a broken body. You don't want that. Who wants that? So I want to leave that in the water. And so you go. You go before the Lord. And you let that go. And when you let that go, what you're letting go is self-effort, self-promotion, self-debasement you're letting that go and you're saying jesus you're lord and i don't want this anymore and you leave that in the water and it says that uh what happens next and that's the main thing i want to i want to get to today i love this verse um, colossians chapter 2 verse 9 For in Christ, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, how much of God lived in Christ? All, right? How much of the Holy Spirit lived in Jesus? All. All, and as a matter of fact, all of Jesus, His deity, which was the Christ part of Him, all the God part of Him lived in Him. Jesus had all of God inside of Him in His body, in His flesh. It's a beautiful thing. And now verse 10, he said, Paul said, and you've been given fullness in Christ. How much of God lives in you? <laughs> no, I'm serious. All. Every one of us in this room are you. How much of Jesus lives in you? All, you get to say all, because if you don't say all, I'm going to throw something at you. No, I don't do that anymore. There's other pastors that throw things at you, but I, I don't. At least in my mind I do, but not really. Um, all, how much the Holy Spirit lives in you? How much of Jesus lives in you? How much of God the Father? All. Why didn't they ever tell us that? We keep begging Jesus to come and live in us and the Bible, Paul said, the Scriptures say that we have it all. Just like Jesus had it all. You know what you and I are doing when we read the Bible? We need to do the same thing Jesus did. He read the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. He, wrote the, he, he lived the New Testament Scriptures. He read the old ones and He saw Himself in Scripture. Now, I don't know, is there anyone here that's perfectly happy with where you are in life right now? No, I don't think so. We all want to grow, we all have things we struggle with, we all are going on, but I want to tell you, you already have everything you'll ever need inside of you right now because of Him. And He says that in Christ, you've been giving this fullness because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do. Yeah, but what about when you mess up? I lose some of it. No, you can't lose it. Well, who said that? Jesus Christ? Well, Alan, you're saying it. Yeah, I agree with Him. I'm saying it because He said it. I don't fully understand it. I just know it's true. And He's the head over every power and authority. Do you mean at my worst day, all of God is in me? Yes. In my darkest choice, all of God lives in me? Yes. And there is a battle going on. You know what the battle is? For you to believe whether you to believe it. For you to believe it. Because any any power inside of you to, to resist darkness comes from your relationship with Him. And the more you're in relationship with Him, the more you agree with Him, the more you yield your life to Him, the more power you have to resist that darkness. And then He gets all the credit and all the glory. And when, you're, when you shine brightly, He gets all the glory for that. You see, we, we have spent our life trying to live, live like Jewish people before Jesus. We've been trying to do that. Listen, you died with Him. That's what He says. In Him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised, putting off the sinful nature. You know, putting off the part of us that wouldn't yield to him. And not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. Who did this to us? Jesus did. When did he do it? 2,000 years ago. He did it. And here's the beautiful part about baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Do you realize that we're now the the greatest expression of God on earth? That Jesus was the perfect example. He was the exact representation of God on earth because He yielded all of His flesh to the Father in a 30-year process, 33 years to the end. Now, you know what me and you do? We reveal the glory of God on earth through our flesh as we yield and we join together with Him. And that's the whole purpose of what Jesus does. So what do you do? So today, let's say today, you decide, God, I'm dying to this. I, I'm, I'm being baptized to this. I'm repenting. God, I'm dying to this. And you know what? There, that's a real. And those of you who got baptized, you, you've told us testimonies. It's real. But you know, what do you do after that? That's the repentance. Now you live. And here's, for in Christ... Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you've been giving the fullness in Christ. You see, now you're in a discovery of how much of you can you give to Him. And you know who gives you that? He does. Who opens your eyes? How do you know what you haven't given to Him yet? He's already here. God's already here. Holy Spirit's already here inside of our bodies. Now, how do I know what I'm still needing to yield to Him? And that's a lifetime process as He reveals more and more of His nature through you. And it's the power of God that does it. Romans, Paul said this in Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if you've been united with Him in a death like His, guess what? You will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. So the same power that lived inside of Jesus and rose Him from the dead lives inside of every one of us and raises us up out of this death that we are a part of. And you receive, He receives glory and honor and power. And how does that happen? It happens every time you, you actually yield yourself to Him. Every time you give yourself to Him. Every time you connect with Him. Every time you abide in Him. It's like a beautiful thing that happens. You see, um, I love this passage and I wanted to get to it. Yeah, that's my last one, so I wanted to get to it. Uh, let me read it and talk about it okay romans chapter 8 verse 18 i am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us now that isn't us but it's a me now y'all understand when paul talked about suffering he knew suffering He had been starved, he had been in the ocean, he had been stoned, he had been bitten by snakes, he had been, uh, he wasn't crucified. He had received the 40 lashes minus one several times. He had been betrayed by his best friends. He had been chased out of town, chased in town. Paul and the early church knew suffering in unbelievable ways that we can only dream of right they suffered and he's when he said that that suffering was nothing compared to the glory that's about to be unveiled in us and then uh, we use this verse earlier today the entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of god's glorious sons and daughters you know who they are who that is it's you it's you. It's like uh, the furniture in this room is waiting to see the glory of God revealed in you. All of nature is standing back in awe. Because there's only one thing on earth that can reveal the glory of God, and that's a human. You see, Jesus needed, he, was, he had to come as a man. Because only through a man that God could reveal himself. And he revealed who God is to the world. And now, you know who's revealing who God is to the world? You are. I am. Every moment, every day. And it happens more and more the more I agree with Jesus about who I am. You know, you know who you are? It's just like what Paul said. You're a glorious son and daughter. Well, uh, God's waited 2,000 years since Jesus was here to have you. You're an expression of God on earth that no one else could ever have. It's like, it's like God said, Jesus said, I am, I'm, I'm a, an overflowing well. He's a spring of water. And that he came to do that. And now it says, for, it's against, for against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. The universe has suffered because we separated ourselves from God. That we believed the lie of the enemy. And we separated and we hid and we became ashamed and afraid. And and we weren't who we really are. And Jesus came so that you can be who you really are. You know who you are? You're a glorious son. You're a glorious daughter. Okay, it's like this. The world is extremely thirsty, right? And God is in the water. He's in the water. And uh, did y'all know there's a well underneath that communion table over there? Uh, There is. Stephen, would you help me with this? Um, There's a well underneath that communion table. Do you have something I could take and get it in? No, I just need some water. Maybe a vessel? Uh, Maybe a dipper? I got a shoe. What about a pitcher? No. What do you have, sir? Um, oh. This is amazing. This is the most amazing invention since the history of man. You know what this is? A That's a cup. It was designed for one purpose. Let me draw you some water. Yeah, can I have some water? Thank you. You know, the world's thirsty. The world's thirsty. It's hurting. All of creation is waiting in eager expectation. Thank you, sir. You know what you and I are? We're cups. Every one of us. And there's, every cup is unique. We don't all look like this. We all look different. And the world is waiting. You're, you're the perfect container for the presence of Almighty God. For the love. And the, can you imagine the love and compassion of Jesus? That you're the perfect container to bring His love and compassion to the world. Can you imagine the power and authority of the Father who rights wrongs and puts families back together and straightens up this mess of world that we've created? Do you, the, His power, guess what? He wants to be revealed through you we're cups. you know what I Stephen he could have taken his shirt off and dipped it in the water and brought it over and you know gave me some drips and you know he could have taken his boots off and <laughs> I wouldn't drink it you know he could have done like uh, who was telling me this morning like a bird uh, you could, he could have gotten some in his mouth and brought it over and spit it in my mouth <laughs> I'm thirsty but I'm not that thirsty ever <laughs> ever you're dying of thirst you'd take it the world's dying of thirst guys and our first step is to repent we have to die over and over again in our lives give ourselves to him let go of our judgments uh, let go of our perceptions and believe god about who we are you know who god says you are you're a perfectly formed vessel to contain him to release him into the world that's what we're here for we're all god handmade us he knit you together in your mother's womb two thousand years after jesus we're here to do the same thing he did he was the exact representation of god and god needs us we're just cubs. and when you let god work inside of you He's revealed to the world through you, and it's special. How special are you? Oh, you're special. How glorious is God working through you? Oh, is, uh, we can't describe it. He's glorious. Jesus wants you. He's, he says you're a glorious son, and you're an amazing daughter. Do you trust him? Will you give him your life? so that he can give you his life to other people through you so let's all uh stand up Um, if you can (laughs) not everybody can stand up Uh, it's good uh miss k is home and doing well Uh, we it's uh it's been a battle for her and she's fighting the good fight you know And it's going to be good. She's going to, it's going to be good. I'm so amazed that she's doing so much better doing what the doctors say than I did when we, when I had that surgery. Uh, This morning, uh, what is it the Lord wants you to lay down to leave in the water? What do you need to say? I'm done with that. You see, for all of, all of history, John the Baptist said, we're done with the, with the law. We're done with that. We're bringing in a new covenant based on faith and repentance. What do you need to lay down? What's God asking from you? So let's pray. So God, I just thank you for what you're doing today. That you've, set, you've put an end to the law and you've put an end to the old covenant. And that now you want to live inside of us. So Jesus, I just ask that you'd reveal to each one of us what is what is it? Is there something in our lives that that we need to to say no more to? A way we think, a habits. self judgment being a victim so lord would you show each one of us what it is that we need to we need to lay leave in the water today So these guys are up here. They want to pray with you, and uh, it'll be good. It's a good day to leave it in the water. Amen. So uh, thank you guys for being here, and uh, they're up here to pray with you, and we'll be good to go. God bless you guys.